Pop Health Podcast is a public service of 24-hour home care. They asked me to teach a choir for adults with mental retardation. I pretty quickly recognized that it was something that touched the heart with that kind of work. Uh, within a year, I was going to school at night and working full-time uh, in the disabilities industry during the day. haven't done anything else in my entire career. It's always been nonprofits. episode of Pop Health Podcast. This is Gavin Ward, co-host of Pop Health Podcast. In today's episode, I drove down the 405 and had the opportunity to sit down with Jim McAleer, CEO of Alzheimer's Orange County, which was formerly known by a different name. And actually, there was another name it was known by all the way back in the 80s when it was originally formed. Jim is an expert in aging and, of course, Alzheimer's disease. In today's show, you can learn from his expertise and how you can get involved in making a positive difference as we fight Alzheimer's disease, not just here locally, but also internationally. We hope you enjoy today's show, and if you do, please leave a review on iTunes. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy the show. So, Jim, tell us something about you that might surprise the audience. Uh, I know last time you were on the show, you, you talked about maybe some experience as a singer. What about something new today? Let's see. Something uh, people don't know about me that I can actually say where it's going to be broadcast. Hmm. For about 20 years, a couple of friends of mine and I in Los Angeles have supported an orphanage on the east side of Tijuana. So there are about 80 kids in Scion Orphanage. Our group's called Friends of El Faro, because that's the old name of Scion Orphanage. Ah. I take groups down probably four times a year, giant bus and all that sort of thing for one day there and back. My friends in L.A. do their fundraising up north. Wow. So you said about 20 years? This is our 20th year. How, what, was, or what was the inspiration? How did you get involved originally? I was a nonprofit consultant for many years, and my, one of my largest clients so supports orphanages all throughout Baja California. Okay. So I fell in love with this one. When I decided to come to work here at Alzheimer's Orange County, I pretty much knew I needed to narrow that focus from 50 to 1 if I wanted to actually have a day job. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Um, I had some experience uh, down in uh, Ensenada, Mexico, at an orphanage. I love soccer, and I, always, I called myself El Campeón when I played the kids in soccer. But uh, that's really neat, Jim. Uh, 20 years. I learned uh, talking off the mic that you guys... Uh, there's actually Costco's down there that help uh, supply the orphanage, which is pretty cool to learn about that as well. So you mentioned not-for-profit consulting. Did you always have a heart for not-for-profits uh, since you know going to college, or how did you end up in the not-for-profit world? I fell into it. I was a voice major. We alluded to some of the singing, and no, I'm not going to sing today. <laughs> but I was a voice major uh, in college. It's actually what put me through school. They asked me to teach a choir for adults with mental retardation. I pretty quickly recognized that it was something that touched the heart with that kind of work. Uh, within a year, I was going to school at night and working full-time uh, in the disabilities industry during the day. Haven't done anything else in my entire career. It's always been nonprofits. Wow, that's awesome, Jim. That's great. So what about joining Alzheimer's Orange County? How did you get plugged in to your current role? Totally selfishly and for a personal reason. I decided I was going to adopt. And uh, as nonprofit consulting, you're traveling all over the state, sometimes all over the country, 
rarely are you grounded enough to be able to raise a child. So this is the first job I applied for. I will say they put me through 11 interviews. Whoa. Right. <laughs> By the end of it, it was either you're going to either hire me or you're going to have to start paying me for interview time. That was 15 years ago in September. Okay. Wow. So let me ask you, the 11 interviews, uh, um, how many actual trips did you have to make? Like, Or how many? like 11. Yeah. No. Yes. And most of the interviews were <laughs> panel interviews. So I, I fully respect that they wanted to make sure they'd made the right choice. I'm not really sure whether it was because of who I am that they, they needed a little extra time or if they were putting everyone through that. But it was it was an interesting experience. Okay. And then who, when, when someone's hiring for a CEO or a leader of a not-for-profit, is it the board that's doing the kind of decision or how does that work? I have 22 bosses. So the board of directors hires fires the CEO. Well, hopefully not fires, but whatever happens with the CEO, it's at the discretion of the board. Okay. Typically, most boards will form some type of search committee, a smaller subset of board members who are responsible for vetting and screening, and they'll bring either one or two candidates to the full board for vote. Day to day, I report to the chair of the board, currently Jody Hudson from First American. Okay. So I have a very close relationship at any given time with the board chair. But it's not like the day-to-day management you would expect from a boss. Yeah. They hired me to run the company. Yep. If it's longer-term things, strategic things, absolutely, it's not my job, it's theirs. If it's within the confines of a fiscal year, it's pretty much my job, who we hire and fire, who we promote, what programs we take on or not. So long as it fits within our strategic plan, that's on my desk. Okay, cool. So I have a little story about my interaction with your group here in Orange County. So in 2011... Uh, my day job working in home care. Um, the very first event we did was a walk to support your organization here in Orange County. And we had a very limited budget. And I remember sitting down, um, I forget the name of the walk coordinator, so she's no longer here. So if you, she does happen to listen, I apologize. Um, this is 2011, and we had to commit, uh, we wanted to have a table at, at your events. It was held at the district uh, in Tustin, which was relatively new at the time. And uh, we, uh, we committed to raising, um, I think, at least $1,000. And I wasn't very good at fundraising, but I made that commitment. So I was out of pocket myself, uh, many hundreds of dollars to reach that. To reach that. <laughs> but uh, I was happy I did it. Um, you know, it was at the district. Uh, I think our organization and my day job has been with you guys ever since. Actually, my colleague Blake is here today. Uh, to meet your corporate relations manager uh, to talk about the November uh, event at Angel Stadium, which we'll talk about here momentarily. Well, since she's starting her new job today, that's going to be a really interesting uh, <laughs> meeting. You may be telling her more than she's telling you. <laughs> I was joking with Blake. I'm like, hey, she'll be pumped her first day on the job, and she's already potentially uh, making something happen. So. I will tell you, though, I can help you with that fundraising thing. You know, next time you decide you want to do a team, let me know. We'll, we'll, you're still going to have to donate some money, but not potentially hundreds of dollars. Very good. <laughs> I have a feeling she might be uh, hoping for more, but we'll see. Um, yeah, so, and back then it was actually known as Alzheimer's Association. So uh, many, a uh, few years back, uh, you guys made a change. Can you briefly uh, remind the audience, and for some listening, it might be news, Alzheimer's Orange County used to be known as Alzheimer's Association. And can you briefly share about that and why the change? Sure. We actually were formed in the 80s here in Orange County with a very long um, name that I can't even remember all of it, but something in Related Diseases and Disorders Association. We affiliated with the Alzheimer's Association nationally a few years later and maintained that affiliation for decades successfully. 
I was a, a part of most national committees, really believed in uh, the cause and the organization, and by the way, still do. The national organization decided some years ago, about five, that they were interested in absorbing the corporate shells of all of the chapters. So we were an independent company. My board um, hired and fired me. It's kind of like a, a franchise agreement, okay. if you think of uh, McDonald's. Yeah. We still owned our stuff. They owned our brand. And it was a great relationship. When they decided to take the chapters into their corporate shell, we believed that at the depth of service we offered, how much we actually touched a family would be reduced over time by that change. We were very concerned that the activities we were able to do would be more prescribed. Basically, we didn't want to be told how to serve the people in Orange County. Um, we didn't want to be told how to do that by folks who might not know our culture as well as we thought we did. So we decided not to maintain that relationship and became Alzheimer's Orange County. Give example of that change. We took on two adult day healthcare centers. We have one in Garden Grove, formerly Acacia. We have one in Laguna Woods. The National Alzheimer's Association would not have supported that change. We are thrilled with that change. Yeah. What's confusing for most folks is the Alzheimer's Association, our old name, now has a chapter here with exactly our old name. Alzheimer's Association, Orange County Chapter. I went by that for quite some time, and now it's in someone else's hands. They do brilliant work here in Orange County. Um, they have support groups, education. Um, you'll find out more on their website. But we're not them, and they're not us. The easiest way to tell the difference is visual. We're blue. Yeah. But our 45 support groups are still going. We trained 27,000 caregivers last year on wow. how to do their jobs better while caring for themselves. Our core programming are not only intact, they're growing. We've literally doubled our size fiscally and employee base-wise since we've left the association. So I'd say for, for us, the move was a positive one. And again, I think we do so in the spirit of there's never enough resources for the people we serve. So whoever's out there doing that good work, we celebrate them. It's just we're us, and we hope folks will get to know us. Uh, Drop by alzoc.org. Yes, that's alzoc.org to really get the specifics on the day-to-day -day programming. Jim, I'm going to give you plenty of opportunity to say that website again at the end. <laughs> if you don't, I'll still do it anyway. <laughs> Very good. Well, one of the a, a real CEOs, most of you know, that wear many hats, and one of them is uh, brand awareness. So uh, well done there, Jim. So uh, what year was that change, if you recall? It was three and a half years ago, so I'd have to do backwards math, it was 2016, the end of 2015, December of 2015. Okay, very good. And were you the only ones uh, to actually make that change, or were there other chapters or maybe current partners who also made that change? Nice segue. Sure. There, were, there were six <laughs> chapters that chose to leave, New York, one in Texas. Um, I think for me, the interesting thing was all of Southern California chose to leave. So there's Alzheimer's San Diego now, Alzheimer's Orange County, and Alzheimer's Los Angeles. Obviously, you can hear some similarity in our names. Yeah. Um, we decided that we felt a unified brand presence for our new organizations made some sense and would be important. It allows us to share resources in branding, but also in programs. So we currently, for example, have a federal grant uh, of which we are the lead. LA has a piece of it. San Diego has a piece of it. Before, two years ago, San Diego, Alzheimer's San Diego was the lead agency, and we had a piece of it, and LA had a piece of it. So we share as many, many resources as we can. When we develop a new program, we ask if they'd like to be a part of it. When they develop a new program, they ask if we want to be a part of it. 
uh, Alzheimer's Los Angeles created Dementia Friends, a very brief online or in-person training that happens. It takes about 45 minutes to certify someone that they are somewhat dementia capable and interested in supporting people with Alzheimer's. We're now the local affiliate of the Dementia Friends, and you'll hear more about that in coming months. But it's just a good example of the um, camaraderie and collaboration that we're able to, to push through. Awesome, Jim. That's great. So we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to learn a little bit more about what programs and services you guys offer here in Orange County. Folks, we'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Pop Health Podcast is a public service of 24-hour home care. All right, folks, welcome back from the break. So, Jim, uh, earlier we were talking about your collaboration with other Alzheimer's organizations and programs and services, and you guys can join each other uh, depending on different initiatives. Tell the audience, what are some of those programs and services available to the community? So I'll start actually with the rest of the collaboration piece as it relates to programs and services. So we are Alzheimer's Orange County, but we're part of the Orange County community. To do that effectively, there were some things missing from our minds about collaborations with other entities. There's so many wonderful organizations serving seniors here, but rarely did they sit around the same table. So almost 10 years ago, we created the Orange County Aging Services Collaborative. Uh, Not to use acronyms, OCASC. But when we created the collaborative, we did so simply to get people in the same room once a month uh, to talk about what we were doing. It turns out, many years later, we have a lot of joint activities. We do end-of-life training together. We do an annual survey for seniors to find out what folks are concerned about, what opportunities exist for them, and how we as senior service organizations can benefit. We're up to 35 members. It's a very diverse group, but every member at the table has a significant amount of services they offer to seniors. We also created, three years ago, the Orange County Strategic Plan for Aging. We have 17 cities as members, the County of Orange, 13 larger nonprofits serving seniors, and four funders. The purpose of that entity is to push together and and pull together an actual plan for what are we gonna do with this large and growing population of seniors who will have increasing healthcare needs, transportation needs, food and nutrition needs. So those two initiatives have been quite successful and we're very proud of those collaborations. We simply were the instigator, if you will. We don't do all the work. We are not even the lead in some instances anymore because these other folks are so good at what they do and at sitting at a common table. In addition to that, just on our own dime, we have our helpline. So we do informational referral by phone. We also do it in person many times with care consultations. We'll sit with a family and develop a family-directed action plan for what they can expect to happen with the progression of a disease with their loved one, the legal and financial planning, uh, some of the end-of-life stuff that is best handled early on when folks are still participating in choice-making. So we do quite a bit of individual uh, care consultations. We do a lot of of end-of-life training for professionals in the space. So we'll do uh, screenings of films like Endgame, things that help elevate people's consciousness about what choice making looks like later uh, in the process of life and death. We do interfaith services. A lot of folks miss that one, but our services get over a hundred people at them and we do one a month. And they're for people who are far enough along in the disease process that they may not be able to participate effectively in their synagogue or whatever their house of worship is, but they can participate uh, in our services. 
one of the fascinating things about those is that faith for most people who are uh, who experience faith centers starts so early we get folks who come to our services who truly are no longer speaking effectively or well, but they will say the Lord's Prayer from beginning to end and not drop a beat, or they'll sing Amazing Grace or whatever it is that touches that early part of them. So it's pretty special to watch. Yeah, that that is awesome. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on as well, you mentioned this before the break, is dementia friends, right? Now, most folks who are listening are probably familiar with Alzheimer's and dementia, but can you remind the audience there might be some folks who aren't too familiar and they may think Alzheimer's and dementia are something different. Mm-hmm. Can you briefly give like a 30-second to a 60-second explanation of dementia and then the, the, the associated diseases? So get your stopwatch ready. 30 <laughs> to 60, I'm, I'm on it. You can have longer if you okay. want. <laughs> so think of dementia as the umbrella term, the overarching term. In the same way we think of cancer as the overarching term, but there's breast cancer, prostate cancer. With dementia, dementia is a neurologically impairing condition that messes with how you live your daily life, to put it in the vernacular. Alzheimer's is the most common form of dementia, followed by vascular dementia. But oftentimes they overlap. So people with Alzheimer's type dementia may also have some form of vascular dementia. It makes sense, right? If your circulation isn't working, then probably your circulation to your brain is going to impact your cognitive function. There are tons of different types of dementia, everything from AIDS-related, Lewy body. You're hearing a lot these days about pugilistic, um, boxers, football players, right? So as more and more is learned about that, more and more of us are looking at our children and the sports they play going, hmm, maybe we should be thinking about helmets and those sorts of things. So there are lots and lots of different types of dementia. Some are actually treated differently and with different medications. So we think it's important that folks get a diagnosis and go to a competent clinician who does that for a living. Our generally practicing physicians are wonderful folks, but they are not necessarily specialists in aging or in dementia. So we highly recommend that folks get a a professional clinical diagnosis. And can you name, uh, is there a type of physician that you would recommend or an organization to go to to get a testing and and, treat, or not treatment, but official diagnosis? Well, it can be both. Uh, Neuropsychiatrist, neuropsychologist, um, and uh, neurologist in general often will have that specialization. And there are some wonderful organizations like um, UCI Mind that has just a magnificent diagnostic center, as does the HAPS Clinic, uh, as does uh, Hoag's uh, Schenkel Clinic. They're great places to go. And if somebody's interested in finding them, they can just call our 1-800-HELP-ALS, ALZ, and we can help them find, yes, that was another branding promotion. Thank you very much. <laughs> 1-800-HELP-ALS. And we can help them find something in their area and look into what their insurance covers. Very good. And so the 1-800-HELP-ALS is for uh, your organization. And what hours is best to connect with someone live at that number? You know, because there are other organizations that do wonderful 24-hour helplines, we put our resources elsewhere. So we operate from 830 to 5. Okay. But that number works in Los Angeles. Orange County and San Diego. All of our sister organizations have chosen to keep the same number and to, to use it in that same way. Okay, great. So um, you talked about a lot of the programs and services. I jumped in and mentioned Dementia Friends. Was there anything else about programs and services? You mentioned your adult daycare mm-hmm. organizations up in Garden Grove, Acacia, and then down in South Orange County which is now that organization, the Adult Day is known as? It's South County Adult Day Services. It's not the best branded name on the planet, but we'll work on that later. So 
We have the two daycares are just absolutely brilliant. It's a great way to keep a loved one at home much, much longer. We in-home care is a great way to do that, as is daycare. And sometimes they're a good combinant uh, piece of work, right? It's an inexpensive and yet very successful way to help somebody. We also have, I mentioned earlier, our education programs is probably our primary line of business these yeah. days. 27,000 people learned how to do something related to this disease last year. We have our Memories in the Making program, an art program that's now international. Uh, there are 27 programs here. Uh, it's pretty powerful to watch how music and art can really touch somebody at a level that sometimes language can't. We have our Connect to Culture program, which is for folks in the earlier stages to stay connected to museums, music, arts. And we have collaborative partners like Segerstone and Bowers yeah. that help us do that. Yeah, it's pretty, co- it's pretty cool. Nice. There's a lot going on. And a lot of these programs and services, uh, maybe not all, but maybe most or many of them, um, are at no cost to the community, correct? Can you kind of differentiate what folks can get at no cost? Absolutely. Yeah. So our core services, as they relate to information referral, education, are typically at no cost. We do charge for some of our brain training, uh, prevention materials that are somewhat new. Okay. We also charge, of course, for the adult day health care because we have physical light occupational therapists and would be a bit difficult to do that without charging. Medi-Cal, Medicare uh, tends to cover that for most people, so that helps. Awesome. awesome. Our other services uh, are typically at no charge. Okay, that's great. And so for folks out there that are looking to maybe support you guys, so let's say a lot of our listeners are healthcare professionals that may not need it for themselves, but their patients, loved ones may need it, and they want to they wanna help or get involved. How do they do that? Well, you might be surprised at how many healthcare professionals need the help because ah. we all have parents and grandparents, and sadly at 53, I'm starting to think of myself in the future, but we're here to help that way as well. Yeah. You know, it's, it, a clinician can sometimes be their own worst patient by not reaching out for help, so I encourage anybody who's experiencing any type of cognitive impairment in their families to reach out for that uh, support here as well. For the financial support, we are a nonprofit. Yeah. Obviously, we can cash the check. If you go to our website, I think I mentioned is alzoc.org, you can certainly donate there, but we have some other fun ways to get involved and to, and to give. You mentioned our, our walk. Our walk for alls happens at Angel Stadium now. We get between five and 6,000 people. So it's not just the funds that are raised. Those are me- truly important to our work. But the power of that many people standing in support of folks who experience this disease or remembering those they've lost is it's almost indescribable. Indescribable. If you haven't seen it, come play, come come walk. And this year we're adding our first 5K. So it's a I will not be running the 5K. <laughs> I will be slowly walking the walk. But there are others who are younger and fitter who will be running the 5K. Nice. I've actually been to that walk. Um, I've taken my uh, wife and son a few years back. Um, I live up in LA County, but we came down to support. Thank you. You're welcome. And I know Blake, uh, who is my colleague listening in today, uh, has been there pretty much every year. Uh, but it's cool because we actually got to walk on the field. And I had never stepped foot on a Major League Baseball field. You get to walk on the field. You get to watch yourself on the jumbotron <laughs> as you're walking on the field. So for not just for kids, for kids and adults, it's really it's really cool just to walk out there. But to see the numbers of people in support is pretty magnificent. Definitely. So that event's coming up in November. Now, September is actually um, a big month for awareness of Alzheimer's and dementia. Tell us a little bit about September. So the importance of 
we've talked about brand awareness today, right? And, yeah. and I believe a lot of your listeners are clinicians and professionals in the space. They get that if folks don't know you exist, you can't help them serve them or sell them, depending on what your goal is, right? By having an, a month focused and a day focused on Alzheimer's disease specifically, it elevates consciousness, it elevates awareness that the disease is there. It shocks people how many people have it. A lot of folks who think they're alone in the space find out they're not alone yeah. in the space. It fosters conversation and it gets people at the table to discuss something that's impacting more and more people. You're talking about one in three people at 85. Yeah. Well, we're living longer. Lots of people are living to 85. My father's 91. Wow. And still going strong. Awesome. You have to hit him on the head with a mallet. It, <laughs> but with those aging, with that aging population, it's just the incidence increases, increases, increases. So having a focused time of year where we all stop and say, what are we doing about it? Remember those we've lost. Celebrate those who are with us. And try to figure out how to stop fewer people from getting in the future. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned one out of three uh, folks have Alzheimer's and dementia. I think what I've heard among some of my social circles outside of the workplace is, oh, it seems like mental health and and memory loss is getting worse and worse. I mean, since the beginning of time, mental health has been an issue. Why do people feel that there's more mental health or dementia out there than before? Because there is. So in California, there are 9 million baby boomers. The first one turned 65 in 2011. So as you think about issues of aging, and I'm not speaking to the mental health side at this point, I'm speaking just to, to Alzheimer's-related dementia. Yeah. Because the population is aging, meaning the big bulk of people are becoming older, you're going to see increased diseases related to aging. So you're going to see more macular degeneration, more cardiovascular issues, particularly if we don't lose some weight, said for me and for half the county, and uh, cognitive impairment, because it, it is connected to age. We are seeing more and more of it. The interesting thing about mental health is I think while it is somewhat separate, there is more focus on it. Yeah. I think it is simply that the closet door is being opened a bit. It's not that it didn't exist. It's that we didn't talk about it. Half of the people in the world have some type of mental issue, be it depression, be it something. Postpartum, we don't talk about it. Most of the time, we don't deal with it, which means it gets compounded and, and gets shoved back into that closet. So I think it's actually really exciting that we're hearing more and more about it. More professionals, more celebrities are talking about those issues. We've got Kanye West talking about his bipolar. Yeah. That is going to inspire other people, whatever you think of him, to talk about their issues. So that part I'm really excited about. I think it's good. Yeah, me too, definitely. Um, Kanye West, you mentioned. Uh, Landon, I'm a big soccer guy. Probably not a lot of listeners love soccer, but Landon Donovan, a, you know, near his prime, talked about it, stepped away from the game uh, and discussed it openly. So, yeah, I agree with you, Jim. People are more open to it. Um, and I'm sure everyone listening knows someone. Even if you don't know it, there's someone in your life who's dealing with something. I would suggest with listenership uh, as high as yours that at least a third experience it at some level, have or will. So yeah. the issue becomes, who do you talk to about it? Do you know where to go for clinical and professional help? Yeah, no, absolutely, Jim. So uh, as we wrap up today's show, Jim, we've covered a lot in today's episode. Uh, can you remind the audience how folks can get a hold of your organization? Is this a chance to say my website again? You got one shot, one shot. Uh, okay. <laughs> www.alzoc.org or 1-800-HELP-ALZ. 
Very good, folks. And just a reminder that September is a big month for uh, some some folks refer to it as World Alzheimer's Month. And uh, some folks, uh, for I think for all of us today and in that month and beyond, just be really aware of dementia being the umbrella term and there's various forms of Alzheimer's. And again, you can find more information about the disease at allsoc.org or by calling 800 help alls thank you jim uh, i didn't cue him very well but 800 help alls and uh the walk is in november so again if, whether you're from la county like myself san diego county orange county awesome opportunity to walk the field at angel stadium that's in november um i know my my colleague over here blake will be learning more about that today uh jim mcalear has been a returning guest for us and we really appreciate your time today jim uh, again, folks, if you like today's show and want to leave a review or learn more about the show, feel free to check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or our website, pophealthpodcast.com. Thanks, folks. Take care.